It has been said that every person has a book within them, the story of their life, the events that shaped them, the passions that moved them, the people that influenced them, the moments that impacted them, even the faith that transformed them. And through these stories flows joy and sorrows, disappointments and delights, countless twists and turns, all interwoven to create a never-before-told, one-of-a-kind story. The story of you. It's a story still being written by you and by God, day after day, line after line, storylines, write good things. Well, just out of curiosity here, does the name R.A. Montgomery mean anything to anybody? I, I wasn't really expecting it to, but he was an author who back in 1976 published a children's book titled Journey Under the Sea. Has anybody read that book, Journey Under the Sea? It's probably not considered a classic, except for something that he did that was unusual. It was not the content of the book that was his thing. It was the concept of his book. And he was the first one to write what we now call today the Choose Your Own Adventure book. And it's a book where you get to make choices as you read along. And the choices that you make steer you to different parts of the story and actually take you to different conclusions. And so today, I brought a book here that was written by R.A. Montgomery. This is called Your Very Own Robot Goes Cuckoo Bananas. And it actually comes with 10 possible endings. And so what you do is you read this book and you get to the end of a page and it'll have a choice for you. For instance, here's a choice. If you want to run towards the sound of the breaking car, hoping that it's Gus, well then turn to page 10. If you decide to go back to the robot cloning classes to find Gus, turn to page 13. And so as you turn to different ones, it takes you on different adventures through the story. Well, this is um, R.A. Montgomery. This book here is actually written by Anson Montgomery, who is his son. So following in his father's footstep. And this one is entitled, Your Grandparents Are Spies. <clears throat> and the story of this book is your parents are out of town and your grandparents come to stay with you. And when you get up the next morning, you discover that you're actually on a spy mission with them. So this morning, I thought, for fun, we might read one of these books. So I thought I'd give you the option. Would you rather read Your Very Own Robot Goes Cuckoo Bananas? How many would like to read this one this morning? Oh, how many of you like to read Your Grandparents Are Spies? Well, I hate to disappoint you all, but we're actually going to read a third story. And it's actually in Genesis chapter 13. But just for fun, we'll put these up here just to remind you of the fact that we have choices in life. And just like this book, which really lays out this concept that we're going to talk about here this morning, we have choices in life, and the choices that we make determine the stories that we live. The choices that we make determine the story that we live. Now, the interesting thing to me is this was originally called, back in 1976, it wasn't called Choose Your Own Adventure. It was actually called the adventures of you. Sounds 
kind of familiar. We just call it the story of you. But the story of you is the culmination of your choices. Now, we've been talking for the last seven weeks about all these different things that help form your story. We said that your story is more than just the events that take place on a timeline. It's the different elements of the story that all mold together and come together to form you into the person that you are. And so that is things like the way that God created you to be with your natural abilities and aptitudes. It's your past. It's your relationships. It's the, um, the thoughts that you think. It's that nature that you were born with. And sometimes that steers us in bad directions. But we take all of these different elements and we put them all together, and that forms us as to who we are. And each one of us is unique and individual, and each one of our stories is unique and individuals. But each one of our stories matters because the story is what we take and process to make the decisions or the choices that we live out in life. And so it's a little bit like, I, I don't know which comes first, the chicken or the egg type deal. Do the choices make us or do we make the choices? And the answer is yes. But what I want to do today is I want to talk about the choices that you make in life because you make choices about your nature. You take choices about your friendships, your relationships. You make choices about your culture. You make choices about your past. What do we do, though, with these choices and how can we make these choices better? We could say it this way. You are where you are today because of the choices that you've made. And that's pretty much true. Or we could say you are, um, excuse me, you are who you are today because of the choices that you have made. Now, choice is so much a part of the human condition and the human experience that we make choices all the time without even realizing that we make choices. You actually chose which way you were going to come to church some of you actually chose your seats this morning. Some of you, it's more like your seats choose you. They just like call out to you, come back, come back. You know, it's your seat. But we make choices all the time. What you had for breakfast. You made choices whether or not to fix the clock in your house yet or just let it be wrong. How many have already fixed them? How many of them, they're just still wrong? I'm okay with that. But uh, we make choices all the time. But I want to talk about our choices because it's not just, a lot of times the choices we make are somewhat inconsequential, they don't really matter, but often the choices that we make start to define not just the life that we live, but the person that we become. So let me just get started with a very basic definition that I have made up personally. So this is not highly technical, this is the Brentwood definition of what a choice is. Okay, a choice is a course of action taken with the hope of a desired outcome. A course of action taken with a hope of a desired outcome. So for instance, this morning, I chose to eat breakfast. That's the course of action that I took. The desired outcome would be that that would satisfy my hunger. Now, I ate a protein bar for breakfast. That was it. So it's beyond just you know, satisfying my you know, hunger. It's supposed to be a little bit healthy. Of course, it was coated in chocolate. But anyhow, but our choices lead to what we perceive to be outcome. And so we make some type of guess, though. We're, we're, we're predicting into the future, which is the second thing I want to point out as we get started here this morning. Our choices are always a guess. I ate the protein bar this morning guessing that it was going to be enough to satisfy me and fill me up, not thinking about the fact that the time's changed and it's now an hour later than it would normally be. 
But we make our choices with that guess, and we're always guessing because we are time-based creatures. I can't get into the future to say this is right or wrong. I just have to do the best I can at guessing or at predicting it. So everybody's doing that when we make choices, but we have to make good choices or good guesses so that we can live out a better story. So here's what my goal is for this morning, just as we get started. My goal is for this morning is, first of all, that we will become more aware of the choices that we are making in life, that we will become more aware of the process that we are following or should be following when we're making those choices with the hope that it will help us make better choices, which will lead to desired outcomes, which ultimately becomes a better story. Now, have you ever made a bad choice in life? Yeah, we have. You ever made a good choice in life? What was it that drove those choices? And what can we learn that will help us make better choices in our story? So, since we're skipping your very own robot, which wasn't very interesting to anybody out here, and we're skipping your parents or grandparents, you can borrow this afterwards if you want. I got it from the library. But uh, we're going to turn to Genesis chapter 13, verses 1 to 13 is where we're going to look. And and we're going to talk about a story of a guy by the name of Lot. That if I'd asked you already, you know, can you name somebody in the Bible who made a bad decision? You was like, Lot did. That might be the name that comes to mind. Well, we're going to look at his story today. But as you turn to Genesis chapter 13, let me ask you to consider a couple things. First of all, what is a choice that you are facing right now in your life? Because I'm hopeful that we can learn some things this morning that will help you as you make that choice. So maybe if you're facing a choice, you can pause for a minute and say, oh, that's something I really got to think about because that's a choice I'm, I'm facing. And maybe that's not this, the scenario that you find yourself in this morning. Well, let me give you a second option here then to look back on some choice that you made. And maybe even if it was a bad choice, but to say, okay, what can I learn this morning where if I could redo that one, if I could take a mulligan, I would do it differently. Because the truth of the matter is, while you can't redo that choice, you're going to get other similar choices that come along, and you can take what you've learned from that situation and say, oh, here's how I would change it this time. See, the people who live the worst stories are the people who keep living the same bad choice time after time, and we don't have to do that. Well, let's read what the story says here. And this is a story about uh, Lot, and to give you a little bit of context, Lot was the nephew of a more famous Bible character, Abraham, and he was a nephew that probably grew up in his house. He was like a a ward of Abraham, and and so they were very close, uncle and and nephew, but um, almost a father-son type relationship. And it says in verse number 13, Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev, that's the desert, He, he and his wife and all that he had and Lot with him. They had been in Egypt. So let me just back up here. They had been in this area beforehand, and there was a famine, so they went down to Egypt, and now they were coming back from Egypt because the the famine's over, and so they can can return to the land where they had settled there. And it says, Abram was very rich in livestock, silver, and gold. He went by stages from the Negev to, to Bethel, to the place where Bethel and Ai, where his tent had formerly been, to the site where he had built the altar, and Abram called on the name of the Lord there. Now Lot, who was traveling with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. And so the first thing we're told in this story is these are two very rich guys. They have a lot. And so even as they're moving, um, they're moving in stages, I think. It's like move it up, come back and get more in, in, in that process like that. But they get to verse number six. But the land was unable to support them as long as they stayed together. 
for they had so many possessions that they could not stay together. So their wealth actually was a problem. Imagine that. But there was a bigger problem. There was quarreling between the herdsmen of Abraham's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. And this is at the time the Canaanites and Perizzites were living in the land. Verse number 8, so Abraham said to Lot, Please, let's not have quarreling between you and me or between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, since we are relatives. Isn't the whole land before you? Separate from me. If you go to the left, I will go to the right. If you go to the right, I will go to the left. And so now we see that Lot has his choice. It's like he got to page 10 here, and it's like, okay, if you're going to go to the left, go to page 13. If you're going to go to the right, go to page 18. That's what's going on in Lot's story. Now, I doubt that Lot had any idea how significant that choice was going to be. But he makes his choice. Let's see what he does. Verse number 10. Lot looked out and saw the entire plain of Jordan as far as Zoar was well watered everywhere like the Lord's garden in the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And so there's more to this story that's coming. That's just a hint that it's coming. But what Lot does is basically what a lot of us do, and, and there's nothing wrong with this, but he laid out like what are the pros and the cons? Well, the pros over here is the, this is a really fertile land. Now the cons were it was by Sodom, as we're kind of hinted at here. And so he weighs them, and, and, and he says, well, okay, I think the pros maybe outweigh the cons, and so he goes in that direction. So Lot, verse number 11, chose the entire plain of Jordan. And that sentence could end right there, but it doesn't. And those next two words are really important. So Lot chose the entire plain of the Jordan for himself. Then Lot journeyed eastward, and they separated from each other. And what happened? They faced a problem, Lot made a choice, and the problem was solved, except for the fact that in solving that problem, they created a new problem. And if we are trying to make choices to solve a problem, and it just creates a new problem, we might not have done great on the choice that we made there. So anyhow, it goes on here. Abraham lived in the land of Canaan, but Lot lived in the cities of the plain and set up his tent near Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were evil, sinning immensely against the Lord. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to explore Lot's choice. But it's not just that Lot made a choice in this story. It's that Lot actually made several choices as part of that choice that he made. And I want to identify them this morning to see the choices that Lot made in his story and then that carry that over to say, okay, how does that affect you and your story? So here's the first choice, and we all face choices like this in life. The first choice that Lot faced was this, to address the symptom. He chose to address the symptom and not the real issue. Well, the symptom was what? The land was crowded, they had too many herds, they had too many possessions, there wasn't room for both of them. And so, let's just fix that issue right there. Well, that wasn't the real issue. The real issue was what? The fact that the herdsmen were quarreling. So they could have chosen, instead of just saying, okay, let's just separate from each other, how about if we go back here and deal with this issue that's the issue to start with, the fact that our, our employees are not getting along with each other, and let's address that. Or they could have stepped back even further to say, well, maybe we even have more than we need. If there's two of us, we're in all this land, then it can't support us. You know, maybe, maybe we need to 
simplify our lifestyles a little bit here. But they were, they were too willing, and Lot was too willing to deal with something over here when the real problem was over there. And a lot of times when we face choices in life, we are dealing, we're making the choice in the wrong spot, if that makes sense. And we need to say, what is the real issue? For instance, if the problem is the dog keeps getting on the couch, the choice is not whether or not to get rid of the couch. But that's how we make our choices sometimes. And we, we get choices in the wrong slot there, and this is what Lot does. And they stayed focused on the herds rather than fixing what was really the problem. And if they'd gone back to that, this story would have turned out a whole lot better than what it actually does. So that's the first choice that Lot makes. The second choice that Lot makes is he opts for the short term over the long game. And this appears to be what uh, Lot chooses here, is it appears to be what's going to be beneficial to him in the moment. He's looking around, he's got all these herds, he's like, oh, there's grass over there, there's water over here, I'm going right there, because this is what's going to be best to, to suit me in the moment. And so many times we do that. We make choices that are right now, and we fail to consider where those choices are going to take us. I need a car right now. So I go to the, 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 to the car dealer or whatever like that, and there's this car, and it's beautiful, and it's my color, and it's for sale, and I'm like, I'm going to buy that car because I need a car right now. But, you know, it's like five years later when you're still paying on that car and it's clunking around, and you're like, what in the world was I thinking back then? Well, you were thinking in the moment rather than in the long game. And we see that Lot opts for the short term over the long game. You know, you could say it this way. There's two ways to approach things. You can play now and pay later, or you can pay now and play later. And this is one of the things that we need to do even in our stories is to look at situations and say, okay, what is the long term and how will that play out? The third thing here, the third choice that Lot made is he chose to pursue himself over all else. And we already looked at that key phrase, he chose for himself, he chose what would be best for him. And he doesn't appear to consider anyone or anything other than himself, he doesn't seem to really take into account his family. He doesn't seem to pray, see what God thinks. He doesn't even seem to say to Abraham, well, let's talk about this some more. He's just like, okay, what is good for Lot? That's what I want to do. And we fall into that ourselves. In fact, that seems to be our default mode. For most of us, if I just said make a decision on the spur of the moment, you would identify super quick what it was that was going to be best beneficial to you, and you would go in that direction. It's only down the road that we're like, whoa, time out a minute. That's just like our default. But all of our decisions, we need to remember the fact that they affect other people. And we need to consider the impact on those other people. He should have been asking this question, okay, well, as I'm making this choice, how is this going to affect my family? How is this going to affect you, Abraham? And that should have been part of the conversation, but it's not. But here's the irony of this situation, is that Lot chooses for himself and actually chooses like the worst thing he could have done for himself. And when we choose for ourselves, the irony is, is that we oftentimes actually do what's worst for us rather than what's best for us in those situations. And Lot never overcame that selfishness 
in his life. In fact, as we look at these decisions that he made, and he makes some more tangible decisions down the road here, that seems to be the primary basis every time. What's best for Lot? What's best for Lot? What's best for Lot in that situation? Well, the fourth thing that he chose here, the first choice that he makes, is to isolate himself from the spiritual mentor. And if you go back to those verses that we just read, it's really important. They went their separate ways. And when, or excuse me, when um, Abraham and Lot went that way, Lot lost his spiritual support. And probably relational support, probably emotional support. And he was out there on his own. And he made a decision that separated him from the person in his life who probably cared the most about him and the person in his life who was who's most likely to look out for him. But when we make choices that lead to isolation or to separation, we're probably making a bad choice. And if you're making a choice, and if you know in making that choice, it's going to separate you from a person, especially a healthy person. I'm not talking about, okay, the choice is to be away from somebody who's toxic in a situation. But when your choice pushes you away from somebody you're probably creating or you're probably making a bad choice. And that could be individually, that could even be collectively. That's why, by the way, like being involved and being a, a, a participant in church, getting to church and being here is important to you is because we need to come together. And when we need to come together, we make better decisions, we thrive, we, we just do better in life. When we separate, we set ourselves out. Now, we've come through four choices here that he's made, or choices he's made in the process of making this one choice. And we already know that his story is going to go bad. Although we haven't actually said that, I've hinted at it. So we already know that his decision is going to be bad because of how he made his choice, not just because of the choice that he made. Well, we keep going on here. We get to the, the fifth choice that he makes, and he chooses to let his bad choices compound. So he doesn't just stop with this one bad choice. He continues now to make bad choices. And if we follow through in his story, his choices become progressively worse, actually. And without reading through the whole passage here. There's several chapters here. Let me just really quickly walk you through this. He moves to the plains kind of near Sodom, which Sodom, we're already told, is a very wicked city. But at some point, he actually moves into the city, and whether he becomes a part of that city in any significant way, well, it's suggested that he is because he becomes a part of the army of that city. But that city is so wicked that at some point, God says, you know what? There's no hope for this city. I'm just going to destroy it. But he goes off and he tells God, goes off and he tells Abraham, says, I'm going to destroy this city, and I'm telling you this because your nephew Lot lives in that city. And Abraham's like, well, how about if we can just, you know, if we could find 50 people in that city who are righteous, God, can you spare that city? And God's like, okay. And then Abraham changes his mind. He's like, how about if we go with 40 uh, 30, and he gets it all the way down to 10 and says, God, if there's just 10 people in this city that are righteous, will you spare the city? And God said, that's fine. And they can't find 10. And Lot's one and his wife's two, and he's got four daughters, and two of them are married, and we're up to eight. We still can't get to 10. And so Lot moves into this city, but instead of 
influencing this city in a positive way, this city has had a very negative influence on him because evidently he's continued to make bad decisions as he goes. Well, eventually, God sends messengers, angels to Lot to say, hey, get out of this city. And there's just a horrible story that takes place there with the men of the city and with these angels and with Lot's daughters. And if you're familiar with the story, it's just it's disgusting. But eventually, Lot, I think begrudgingly, leaves the city with his wife and only two daughters will go with him. And on the way out, his wife looks back and she's destroyed, turned into the pillar of salt. But we just see this progression of bad choice leads to bad choice, which leads to bad choice, which leads to bad choice. And instead of stopping and saying, oh, wait, I think I made a bad decision here. I probably shouldn't have gone this direction. Hey, Abraham, could you help me out? Or maybe I need to move back in this direction. He just continues to make bad choices. And that's one of the things that we struggle with. When you make a bad choice, it's easier to make the next bad choice, partly because you just change the options. So what was available the first time may not be available now, so we're dealing with lesser options. But partly it's because we just get used to that then. And so we get into this habit of making bad choices. Well, there's a sixth choice here that Lot makes in this story, and this is the big one. Lot made the choice to become someone different from who he was. He made the choice to become someone different from who he was. Let me show you some verses here. I think they'll come up on the screen. Do we have these? This is in 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. This story is mentioned once by Jesus in, chapter, in Luke, the book of Luke. And then Peter mentions this story here. But let's read this. And it just says, If he, he's talking about God, rescued Lot, a righteous man, who was distressed by the depraved conduct of the lawless for that righteous man, Living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. And then it goes on here. Now, the context of this is not crucial to this, but I'll explain it. Peter's writing here talk about the deliverance and the rescuing of God and how God delivers his people. And so he has used, before Lot here, he has used Noah and said, just like God rescued Noah with the ark in that time, and just like God has rescued Lot, God will rescue you. But it's interesting how... Lot is described here, isn't it? Three times he's called righteous. That's not the word that I would use to describe Lot. But what I think is so key to this statement up here is that phrase that's in the the italics, he tormented his righteous soul. So what God, Peter's saying here actually is, Lot was a righteous man or Lot was a good man who made choices, but what those choices, it didn't just change his location, it changed his person. And it tormented, the King James Version uses it, it it vexed his soul. It afflicted him internally. It caused turmoil. It violated, abused, and compromised who he was as a person. And so actually the choice that he made changed the person that he was. And this is the danger of bad choices. It's not just that it sets us down bad pathways, bad directions. It changes who we are elementally on an internal level. And this is such an important lesson for us to get this morning, is this, our choices change us. 
Sure, our cho- the choices change our story, but our choices change you. At the beginning, I made this statement, you are who you are because of the choices that you've made. I think it might even be better to say it this way. You are who you are right now because that's who you've chosen to be. At some level, you are the culmination of the choices that you have made in life. So the question is, well, then how do we make better choices? Well, let's continue on here to take the lessons from the story, Lot and his story, and let's change this to you and your story and say, what can we learn here that will be helpful to us? So the first thing is that every choice has a consequence. That's what makes it a choice. Choices always have something that happens afterwards, and we need to remind ourselves of this. This choice doesn't just stop right here. It continues on, and we need to consider what the result or the outcome is. Now, some choices we make are just inconsequential, and we make dozens, literally, probably hundreds of choices every day, and some of them just really don't matter. You know, like what you have for breakfast may not have mattered that much, which uh, shoes you chose to wear or, or... you know, which person you chose to talk to first at church, those, those don't make a lot of difference, and that's fine. But we do need to realize that there are some choices in life that are consequential. But what determines whether or not a choice is consequential is not how hard it is to make the decision. It's what the implications will be after I've made the decision. I mean, it can be hard to make a decision on where you're going to eat after church today. That's not what makes a decision hard or important. What makes a decision important is the actual consequence that follows that. And sometimes we don't realize what the consequences are, or sometimes we, just don't sim- we simply just don't stop to pause and say, okay, where is that going to end up? Do you think Lot stood there and said, okay, I'm going to choose to go east? Well, he considered the short-term consequence, right? Well, I'll have better lands for my, for my, for my livestock here. But did he deter, dis, uh, uh, identify the, the long-term consequence? No. And so we need to be aware of that because our consequences actually determine the next set of choices too. And so we go on to the second thing here. Choices determine direction, but they also form character. And this is just a repeat of that that point there from Lot. But our choices become our story. Because they determine the path that we take, the person that we become. But we ultimately become that sum of our choices. And I am uh, elementally changed by these choices. But I say that again to repeat this, that our story is not just events on a timeline. It's how those events impacted and affected us. And so we don't just lay out, well, I made the choice here to, to go to this school, or I made the choice here to, to marry this person, or I made the choice here to, to uh, you know, choose this career. Those are your choices, but how did that affect you as a person? We need to be aware of that. Thirdly, good choices require the examination of three things here, objectives, Options and outcomes. This is just me trying to be super practical to you if you're facing a decision. These are going to be the three parts that are going to be in your decision. There's actually a fourth one. I'm going to add it in just a minute here. But let's just talk about these things. The objectives are what we want the results to be. Or bigger than that, the objectives are what we want the results to support. 
And hopefully that will make sense. So if Lot's objective had to been to, I want to please God with what I'm choosing here, well, that would have affected the choice that he made. And if we can identify our objectives at the outset, it makes the whole process easier because we're looking then to say, okay, what am I trying to accomplish here? What am I trying to achieve here? So we start with objectives, and then we look at options. And so options are all the choices that we can make. Do we want to read this book? Do we want to read this book? Do we want to read the book of Lot or the story of Lot? And those are the things, but what we do with our options then is we need to play our options out to what I would call outcomes. So I'm going to look at option A, and as I project, if I take this, make this choice, take this course of action, it's going to lead to this possible outcome. Now the truth is, though, that it may lead to more than one outcome. And I would separate even those outcomes between possible outcomes and probable outcomes. Because sometimes we do this. It's like, okay, here's my option. And if I take this option, it might turn into this. And this is something what I want. That's a possible outcome. But if I'm honest with myself, the probable outcome's over here somewhere and it's not so good. But somehow we convince ourselves that just because it's a possible outcome, well, Somehow, I will steer myself in that direction, and it doesn't always work that way. You can flip that, though, too, when it comes to these possible and probable outcomes. Because you can say, okay, well, this is what's possible, this is what's probable, but you can flip that so it actually uh, ignores the, the risk in a situation. And rather than get too hung up on, on going further with that, just understand that, that that um, options lead to outcomes. Now, let me just say this, too. A lot of times we get focused on our option and, and we make it A or B. So, you know, so this option for, for, um, for Lot was, okay, am I going to choose east or west? Am I going to choose right or left? Well, his, he had more options than that. He also had the option to say, well, wait a minute, uh, Abraham, I don't really want to separate from you, so how can we work this out? That option was on the table. He never looked at it, to my knowledge, but it was there all, as well. And then you could have gone from there to say, well, what if we did this, or what if we did this, or what if we did this? A lot of times, we get ourselves in trouble with choices because we don't take the time to identify the options. So there's an A or the B, but sometimes we need to ask ourselves the question, what's C? Because it may be there in the story. But these outcomes are determined, or, or the, the, the end game of the options that we have. Now there's a fourth element that I said that, that is part of it here, and it's this, that you have to have good information. You can have a, you, you can make your, if you're making decisions and choices on bad information, you're going to end up in a bad place. And so we can identify our objectives and we can say, here's where I, here's what I want the outcome to be and here's my options. But if, if there's faulty thinking over here, there's faulty information here, if you're not dealing with truth over here, you can do all that right and you're still going to be messed up. So you've got to be careful to make sure that you get good information. Let's keep going here. Number four. The whys of a choice are more important than the what's of a choice. The what of the choice here was where are you going to, which land are you going to choose? That's the what. The why is why are you going to choose that land? 
And the why is always more important than what. And the why was the problem in the story. Actually, I don't think it would have been bad either way for him to make a choice just on the what. Because he could have done this. He could have said, hey, you know what, Abraham, you're older than I am. Why don't you go ahead and pick first? And, of course, Abraham, being the great man that he would have been, would have said, well, okay, I'll take this and I'll give you the best land. And I think it all would have been okay. The problem was the why that he took it for himself. And sometimes when we look at choices, we need to back up and say, okay, what is the why here, not what is the what? And sometimes if you've grown up in the church, you've heard about this idea of the will of God. And we have this will of God as like this narrow thing that you have to follow here. And I have to do the, can I do this or can I do this? And there's only one right answer here. There can be many right answers depending on what your why is. And we get hung up on the what? Well, should I go to this college? Well, maybe God doesn't, isn't concerned that you just have one college choice. Maybe there's two, three, four, whatever. I don't know if there's anybody going to college. But okay, the why is why are you choosing that, not what are you choosing? And hopefully that makes some sense. But when we get into tough choices, we need to look at our why. And actually, it's looking at our heart. Your heart is the most important thing. I actually think that if Lot had made the wrong choice, but his heart had been right, that God would have fixed it. And we need to remind ourselves of that. Number five, we are all prone to making bad choices. Lot was a righteous man. Lot was a righteous man. Lot was a righteous man. We heard that three times. He was a good guy. And he still made bad choices. And we often can make bad choices in our stories too. So we all need to be careful. And why do we make bad choices? Generally speaking, the number one reason, because we choose for ourselves. So be careful of that. And then finally, the choices you make become the story that you are writing. You really can't have a story without choices. In fact, every one of our lives is a book like this. It's a choose-your-own-adventure. The unfortunate thing is when we choose to go to page 13, we don't necessarily get to find out what happened on page 12. We're just off to page 13. But this is how we live our lives, and this is how God's designed it. And so we become the culmination of these choices that we're making. The human experience is to have choice, but here's the best part about that. You can have just about anything in your life taken from you, but you can't have the power of choice taken from you. Nobody can ever take that away. And that means in your story, you always have the ability to write a better next page, next chapter, whatever it happens to be. And so as you look at the choices that you're facing in life, sometimes like, oh, I've already messed this up too much. You haven't messed it up. You may have to do some repair and some fix some things. But you still have that power of choice. You still have the ability to write a better story. So just to wrap it up this morning, let me ask again, what are the choices that you are facing or the choices that you have faced? How have those choices directed your path? And how have they affected you as a person? How have they formed your character? What are the choices that you need to make, how are you going to make them? Will you choose the why over the what? Will you deal with the real cause or will you just get distracted by the symptom? Will you choose the long game or will you 
be affected by the, the short-term benefit. Will you choose others, God, or will you be following yourself? The truth of the matter is this. We make our choices, and then our choices make us. And that's how we choose our adventure. You want a better story? It's simple. And so hard at the same time. Make better choices. Or we could say it this way, write good things. Let's pray. God, thank you for the story of Lot and the painful story as we read it. But such an instructive story to us. A sad story. A sad story that too often we're too willing to play with in our own lives. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. The biggest choice that you make in your life is whether or not you're going to follow God, invite him into your life to forgive your sins. If you've never done that, I would encourage you to do that. Jesus died on the cross for your sins, rose again to defeat death and sin, and he can rescue you. So if you've never invited him into your life, I encourage you to do that this morning. But then we make choices after that too. Well, we continue to pursue and to follow God. We make choices of, of what we will invest our lives in. We make choices of where we'll spend our time. We make choices of who will be our friends. We make choices all the time. What are the choices that you're facing right now? What do you need to take from this story today to say, okay, I need to give that some consideration. And then when you commit that choice to God, you ask him to help you with the why so that you can make the what correct. God, thank you for your grace, for your help, for your willingness to walk beside us, but also for the fact that you live within us. Help us to make good choices this week, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We stand and sing with us here this morning as we close the service.